Good morning. It is so good to be able to come together this morning to worship God in spirit and in truth, knowing that we have done so in a way that will be pleasing in his sight. We know as Brother Randy is away this week at a gospel meeting, we at the Rockcliffe congregation over in uh, Mattmanville in Warren County, we pray for him this week for the success of that meeting and hope that the lessons will be well received and that they will enjoy great blessings from that meeting. As we turn our attention to our lesson this morning, it's entitled, the entitlement is, it asks us a question, only on Sunday. How am I living? Am I living a Christian life 24 hours a day, seven days a week, or am I only living that only on Sunday? So this morning we're going to turn our attention, we're going to look at four lessons, four matters that uh, we are faced with as Christians, three of them dealing with morality issues. And from that, we hope that we will gain some truth. Maybe there's some in the audience that may be facing with some of these issues. But before we do that, the reality of the church. That blessed body that you and I are so privileged to be able to be a part of. In 1 Corinthians 15, 24, we are told it's going to be that body that's going to be turned over to God on the day of judgment. From the prophecies from the Old Testament to the promise from Jesus, from Matthew chapter 16, verses 18, we see the establishment of it. He, said, he, told, he asked Peter a question, and starting in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, he says, going back to verse 17 and 16, he said, And Simon Peter answered and said unto him, Thou art Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which have... Which is in heaven. And I say unto thee, Upon thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So from this time to the book of Acts, everything looks forward to that body that blessed church that our Savior purchased. He hung on the cross for it. We are told in Acts 20, 28 that his blood purchased it. He went through all the agony, all the pain, and bought that body so that you and I may be members of it and may have a hope and a promise in heaven one day. So having appreciated that, one has to obey the gospel. That is, we all know it. We have to hear, we have to believe, repent, confess, and be baptized. And in that baptism, we all know we come in contact with the blood of Christ, buried in death with him, and when we rise out of that watery grave of baptism, he has then cleansed us of our sins, and we are then added to his church. We put on Christ... We are a member of his body, and with that we strive to live daily 
the commandments that he's put before us. We're told that in Galatians 3.27 and also in Luke 9, verse, verse 23 was our lesson text. We are to take up our cross daily and follow him. Not once a week, not twice a week, not four times a week, but an everyday, ongoing Christian life. We are given that obligation not to love the world, not to become, be too materialistic, not allowing our possessions to become our God, for if we do that, we know we are an idolater. We're told that in 1 John 2, verses 15, verse, chapter 2, verse 15. And Jesus said in John 15, 19, that we are called out of the world and we're not to be entangled therein because we're in his body. We are journeying to heaven. We are journeying in that body to that wonderful place that he has prepared for us. So with that, when we look at these morality issues, and by any means these are not the only ones that we are faced with, we could take a whole series of lessons on all morality issues that we see in our world today. But it's our intent this morning to learn truths from them. And with these three of our perspective, they're maybe the most common three that we may be faced with on a day-to-day -day basis, whether that be at work or school or wherever the case may be. And if we're not careful, as much as we're around it, we could allow ourselves to become entangled in it and allow Satan to be the guiding being in our lives if we're not careful. Now, we're told in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, that all are going to sin. And the lesson this morning is obviously not going to focus on those minor slip-ups that you and I may be guilty of with. But maybe I've been around these things so much that maybe I've allowed them to become a habit in my life. And then if we are, and we're in that condition, we need changes in order. We need to change that at once. So with that, let's come to our first one. The way we dress. You and I both know it is hard to go out in public anymore, whether that be to a grocery store, gas station, anywhere, vacation, wherever the, whatever the case may be, and to see men, women and men dress so inappropriately. And as we've come to the year 2018, we have seen it dramatically get worse as each year, as the years have come and gone. There was a time Many of us may remember it that individuals had a sense of decency to them, but we all sadly know that that day is long gone. The sinfulness, designs of clothings that the clothing lines will put out. They want people to feel comfortable showing off what should never be seen in public only to one scripturally married mate. So, 
with that we see now shorts that are too short, blue jeans, leggings, stretch pants that are too tight, or blouses that on a lady that would be cut too low. Those are not to be in our lives as Christians because we have turned our lives to Christ. And although some garments may cover, they are so skin tight that they don't conceal a thing. So we never should allow our minds to become entangled in immodest dress. The way we dress is very important to God because he addressed it even before, shortly after his creation of the world. In Genesis chapter 3, if you would, let's turn there. We'll start our scriptures here this morning. In Genesis chapter 3, starting in verses 7 through 21, Now before this, we all know God's pristine beauty that he had created. He had created the world, he created man, he had created the woman, Adam and Eve. And we all, we are told expressly that they went about naked and there wasn't anything wrong with it because sin had not entered into the human family yet. But starting in chapter 3 we see the temptation from the serpent the devil and he turned to Eve she partook of that fruit which God had told them not to eat of the tree and also to Adam and when God came in the garden that day later that day we all know he already knew what they had done but starting in verse 7, all the way through verse 22, we are told, And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves apron, aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. God Amongst the, Lord, the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And starting in verse 9 through verse 20, we see God's judgment upon them. We see their roles that they were given. But starting in verse 21, God clothed them. It says, Unto Adam also and his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothed them, and the Lord God said, Behold, the man is become as one of us, to know good and evil. And now, lest he, lest he put forth his hand, and take it also of the tree of life, and eat, and live forever. So God's clothing choice for them, we see that same example amplified all the way through the Old, the Old Testament and all the way to the New Testament to be dressed decently. The church in Corinth struggled with this matter. We're told in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, starting in verses 15 through 20. 
this issue was before them. You see, nearby was commonly pagan worship that some of these individuals would engage themselves in. And with that, Paul addresses them to be cautious because some of them, it appears, were, were giving in to this. Starting in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 15 through 20, he says, Know ye not that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? God forbid. What? Know ye not that he which is joined to a harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body. But he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of God, is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So we then see this example for us today to be dressed decently. So coming to this, hot weather is no excuse to dress in modestly. Although summertime may be here and may be upon us, it is not an excuse for us as Christians to wear undecent things because, verse 20, we're bought with a price. So maybe you and I could be guilty of this. And if we choose to wear things that are not pleasing in God's side, that are immodest, and we go around, maybe not intentionally, but if we go around in public places and we have another individual look upon us to have lustful thoughts, Romans 1, verses 31 and 32 tell us we're just as guilty as that person and that we have sinned. Friend, we cannot be given into immodest dress. Our bodies belong to God, and we have to strive to cover them in a way that he would find pleasing. Going all the way back from that example of Genesis, because God covered them both. He just didn't cover Eve, or he just didn't cover Adam. He covered them both decently and in a way that he found pleasing. And that should be our example. So men, we shouldn't be mowing the yards with our shirts off or doing yard work. Same way for women. We should, you should be dressed decently if you're out doing yard, or in, yard work or in a public place. So do I only wear appropriate clothing only on Sunday, only in the confines of a church building? Or am I wearing appropriate clothing 24 hours a day, seven days a week, every every time I go out the door to a public place, ask myself, would God find this pleasing? 
Next issue. The way we talk. You and I both know we are blessed with the English language. And the research I was able to do found that oh, there's an estimate of 250,000 words in our English language. And that's from the Oxford Dictionary. But as a Christian, I have to be careful because, again, public places I go, we're, we often hear words, name-calling, <coughs> profanity that is so disgusting. And some of those words will condemn ourselves if we're not careful. In Matthew chapter 12, verses 36 through 37, Jesus says, But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. Friend, we have to be careful with the words we choose. Although we are told in James 3, verses 8 and 10, what the tongue can do, it cannot be tamed, but that does not give us an excuse not to try. We have to idle our tongue. We have to bridle it. And if you would, let's turn there and read that passage together. James chapter 3, verses 8 through 10. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Wherewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the, stim the stimulitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Friends, we have to watch our language profanity, swearing, and even euphemisms, if we're not careful, will condemn our souls, of course, if we don't ask for forgiveness of them. And that word euphemism means by words, idled words like gosh, golly, gee whiz, because we know that it's the origin from God. It's the or some of those words are the origin of Christ. His name, his majestic name, Yahweh. Those words come from, and if we are guilty of saying them, we are taking his name in vain. Are you and I guilty of this? We can be if we're not careful. And in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, we are told... Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. How much? None. Not one thing. No corrupt communication. And that would go under the umbrella of profanity, swearing, euphemisms, anything, because we're going to be judged by that if we're not, if we're not careful and we don't approach God for forgiveness for that. 
that's amplified. And again, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 8, we're, to put, we're told to put off all filthy communication. And that could fall under the umbrella of, for rumors, gossip, name-calling, backbiting, and seeking vengeance. And we see these things in public places, at school, work, whatever the case may be. We may have a boss or co-worker that we may feel that's out to get me. They make my job hard. They make fun of me. They lie on me and try to get me in trouble. We are to never seek vengeance for that person. We are told in Matthew chapter 5, verses 40, verse 44, we are to show forgiveness and love to those who mistreat us. We are to love our enemies, and we are to pray for those that despitefully use us. And we are not to seek vengeance on that, on the, that person. That's left to God for the day of judgments. For the day of judgment, we are told in First Thessalonians. And one of the most greatest scenes of example that I could possibly list for you for forgiveness comes from our Master when He was on the cross. Let's turn to that and look that pleasing Luke chapter 23 verse 44 Luke chapter 23 verse 44 then Jesus said father forgive them for they know not what they do and they parted his raiment and cast lots. Here our Savior was, hanging on a cross, had just been scourged mercilessly. He had nails driven into his hands and feet. He had a crown of thorns beaten down into his scalp. And in that, he could say to those Roman soldiers that had done this to him and those Jews that had wanted his life, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That level of love from our Savior, you and I, will never be able to wrap our minds around. It's that great. And when we are faced with those situations, maybe my boss is making it hard on me lying on me and all those those things aren't good but they can never top the scene of the cross never and that's our example on forgiveness our ultimate example we are to show forgiveness to them we're told in first peter chapter 2 verses 21 and 22 that no gal was found in his mouth. That of our Savior, of course. And if we are to be like Christ, we have to be the same way. So with that, do I only speak wholesome words and handle my talk appropriately only on Sunday? Do I go maybe on a Monday or a Tuesday at work talking about our co other co-workers or the boss 
calling them names, cursing, lying. Friend, we have to be careful because we know the devil seeks as a roaring lion, moving as a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. Next slide. The places we go. God is always concerned with where you and I are at. And especially in the day and time that we live with recreational activities that you and I are faced with. There are sinful and ungodly places here in Cookville, Tennessee that you and I could be tempted to go if we're not careful. That may be bars, clubs, concerts, parties, some kind of college party on the campus at Tennessee Tech. Whatever the case may be, we have to be careful. Maybe you've had a hard day at work. Maybe one of, the co one of your coworkers comes up to you, it's been a hard day, let's go to the bar and have a beer or two. Friend, we have to be careful. We have to, with a Bible in our mind and scripture and verse to go to, to tell that person, I will not do that, that is wrong, and have scripture to back that up. We're told in 2 Timothy chapter 5, verse 22, we are to keep ourselves pure. And in 1 Peter, chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, Again, 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, we are told, For the time past of our lives may suffer us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles, when we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excess of wine, revealings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries, wherein they think it strange that ye run not with them to the same excess of right, speaking evil of you. Others are going to think it's strange because we don't go the places they want to go. Friend, we cannot go there. We cannot go to those places that are ungodly, that we know that ungodly things are going to be there, that sinful things are going to be there. We have to be careful. And in Titus chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, we have to deny ungodliness and worldly lust and to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. But what about the places we go in our minds? Now, none of us in this audience are mind readers. We can't read the minds of our brothers or sisters or our children or mothers or fathers. Our example for that come with Jesus in his parable of the wheat and the tares, didn't it? In Matthew chapter 13. So am I only on an ongoing, habitual way having sexual or inappropriate thoughts, hateful or mean thoughts towards others? Maybe there's a person giving in to watching pornography. Privately, no one else may know it. But be known, the ultimate being in this universe knows it. 
And maybe I'm taking those images in my mind and we learned from a lesson not too long ago that the age that that pornography is watched was at the age of 11. How disastrous, my friend, that a child that young and innocent given in to that. Friends, we have to be careful. The places we go in our minds will condemn our souls. In James chapter 1, verses 13 through 15, We are are told this. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away from his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Friend, if we are given in to some matter of this... We all know our own hearts. But whatever the case may be, if we don't seek God for forgiveness and we are given into this habitually, it's not going to be good for us on the day of judgment. We are dead to Christ. We are dead to God. And we have to turn from it. We're told in Philippians 2 verse 5 that we are to have the mind of Christ in everything that we do, in every thought, in every word, in every action, every, everywhere we go, we are to have the mind of Christ. And we all know that that mind was pure. Now, we're not going to be like Christ, admittedly, but he was the perfect one. He was the sinless one. We are told we are going to sin. So do I only go to decent and godly places only on Sunday? Next lesson. Now it could be said that this technically isn't a morality issue. I felt it fitting to add this to towards the end of our lesson this morning. But reading and studying the Bible... As Christians, we are to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus. We're told that in 1 Peter chapter 3. So we need, it's our obligation and our duty to find time each week to study and read the Word of God. We're told in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, that we are to grow as newborn babes in Christ. And if we're not reading and studying the Word of God, then how can we do that? In 2 Timothy chapter 2, 15, like, in like way as in Hebrews 4, 12, we are to, show to, our, we are to study to show thyself approved unto God. And we are to rightly divide the word of truth. And in Psalm 119, 105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. 
Friends, we are to love this book more than anything. It is our road map to heaven. And we have to read it. And we have to study it. That is the problem with our country today. Half of the things that have been endorsed in our country over the past 10, 20, 30 years comes from lack of knowledge in this book. Anyone with a right mind and a sound mind reading this book, those leaders in Washington, would never endorse sinfulness if they only knew. Jesus asked the Pharisees that when, when they heard their questions regarding marriage. He asked them, have you not read? That's our problem today. And so as we grow in grace and in Christ, we are going that will lead and our knowledge will lead to evangelism. Friends, our world needs evangelism. Our co-workers, our friends, our neighbors, even our family members that are lost needs this book. We have to be ready to give an account if, they ask, if any man asks of us. So with, with that, do I only read and study the Bible only on Sunday? When I leave the church service, do I, do I take it and leave it on my coffee table or living room table, wherever you lay it, and it lays there until the next Sunday? And it doesn't even have to be opening the Word. We could, if we have time, maybe at work, if we're allowed, we could put in headphones, maybe log on to our website here and listen to lessons, have a personal Bible study. But being filled with the Word of God is going to lead to us growing in Christ. And that brings us to our conclusion this morning. We are told in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 11 through 17, we have to put on the whole armor of God each and every day. If you would, let's turn there and read that, if you would. Starting in verse 11 of Ephesians chapter 6, Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be that you may be able to withstand the evil of the day and having done all to stand stand therefore having your loins girt about with the truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation preparation of the gospel of peace above all taking the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God.
We're also told in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 2, we have to run the race that is set before us. That race being our Christian life. We have to be dedicated to Christ. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 2, it says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so, with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doeth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy of the cross who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of God. Friends, that race is our Christian life. And in verse 2 is our reason why we live that Christian life. Christ went to the cross for the joy of it. So you may ask, where was the joy in the scourging? Where was the joy in the nails? Where was the joy in the crown of thorns? Where was the joy of the sin of the world would never know being put upon him at one, at one moment and having God turn his away from him for that moment? That's a reason why we live our Christian life. And Jesus' joy for that was knowing that he put in a plan of salvation and that he put in, he purchased his church so that you and I can have a home in heaven. We are told in Ecclesiastes 12, 13, the purpose of life. For the middle school class this quarter, that was one of the first things we we talked about was the purpose of life is to fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man and if we miss that in our lives then we have failed miserably not only here but for eternity friends are you right with God this morning have you put him on in baptism have you obeyed that gospel that he has delivered to us? If you haven't, the plan of salvation is this. We have to hear the word, Romans 10, 17. You have to believe, Mark 16, 15. You have to repent of past sins, that is, that change of mind that leads to that change in behavior, Luke 13, 3. You have to confess his name as the Son of God, Romans 10, 9. And you have to be baptized for the remission of your sins. And once you have obeyed that, you will come forth out of that watery grave of baptism, a new creature and member of the church. And then we have to remain faithful until death. Revelation 2.10, and heaven will be your home. Or perhaps you have become a member of that body, that cry, that church that Christ purchased but today you know in your heart you're not right with God 
you know that hell is going to be your eternal home if the Lord comes back or if you leave this earth in death. And for that state, we are told in 2 Peter 2.20 that the latter end will be worse than the beginning, for it would have been better for that person never to become a Christian than the situation that that individual is in now. If you're subject to the invitation this morning, the song has been selected, and if these needs to be, need to be the needs of your life, come down this aisle, we'll pray for you, and God's promised to forgive him, or we'll put, help you assist in being baptized if that need to be, needs to be the need of your life. If you could let us know how we can do that, come now, while together we stand and sing.